Hi, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and I have Autumn Brennan, our lead parenting expert for teenagers and our team coach here at MTC. So we are so excited to speak all about where you are stuck if you find your child or teen running away from you. Your sensitive teen or sensitive kid uh, tends to shut down rather than melt down, run away, bolt into their room, run across the street, uh, leave parking lots, etc. Then make sure that you stick around because this is important to how to understand where you might be adding to the problem where your child is stuck and what they need to be focusing on and how to break the cycle altogether. Hello, and welcome to how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. So welcome, Autumn. Welcome, Megan. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I think it's fantastic that you just, um, you know, kind of outlined, highlighted this you know, phenomenon of running away, right? Being like running through a parking lot, lot, um, running down the street, um, running to who knows where, when, you know, it's not just about running physically away. Sometimes it's running upstairs to your room. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's sitting at the dinner table and not making eye contact or having any conversation with anyone the entire time you're there. Sometimes Mm -hmm. running away, like might look like, right. Like, um, you know, them being social and doing things with their friends, but then you notice they haven't actually interacted with anybody in your household for weeks. Yeah. Running away is kind of like a a big topic, right? Because running away is running away from many things. Maybe they're physical things, maybe they're triggers, reminders. Maybe it's also that they're running away from emotions that they don't really know how to handle or, you know, how to move past them, how to experience them. Um, and, and they're just lost. So they just start yeah. to do things like get away, run away, whatever way possible. Shut down too. And, and we hear from parents often, you know what? My kid doesn't have meltdowns. MTC seems to have that all figured out. Maybe I'm listening to the wrong uh, show, <laughs> right? Maybe this isn't necessary for me to highlight. My child runs away or shuts down on a daily basis. And it's important to understand what we do here at MTC. We help parents who break out of the meltdown or shutdown refusal cycle in as little as eight weeks with their kids and with their teenagers together as well. And breaking out of this pattern, it's really important to understand the difference between a symptom and a cycle. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, because when, when you observe the meltdown cycle, the shutdown cycle, uh, they are two sides of the same coin and the symptom, whether your child is hitting, kicking, throwing things, your teenager is shutting down, refusing, or your, your child is running away and slamming doors, et cetera. Those are all symptoms. Some children exhibit all of those behaviors. Some children, teens exhibit some of those behaviors, but they are not the behaviors that, um, 
that, that we need to focus on. What we need to focus on is the bigger picture, the bigger component of what is keeping you guys stuck in the first place. And so many times parents will say, uh, you know, my kid used to have meltdowns or my teenager used to have meltdowns when they were younger. Now they just close me out. And right. it's really important to, for us to cover the difference here because uh, this exact whack-a-mole experience you're observing uh, is, is, is critically important to, to notice that they are, they are the same thing. <laughs> this behavior is the same. Um, you might be seeing something different from your child, but what's going on inside your child, what the dynamic in the family is very, very similar. And this is something that we say to our clients all the time, um, with our specialty, you know, daily meltdowns, daily shutdowns, daily outbursts, uh, right. daily eloping, um, the highly sensitive child stuck in that meltdown cycle actually has a much greater level of similarity than they do differences. But for you, obviously, as a parent, when you're just dealing with your own family unit, you know, four or five people, six people plus, um, or just you and, and your own child as a, as a single parent, potentially, then, um, it can feel like you live in a vacuum, right? It can feel like you're the only one, especially when, when you're comparing your children to children in the neighborhood or to, to your friends, teenagers, et cetera. And, uh, and so it makes sense that you might uh, be considering that your cir circumstances are unique or not as bad or not as, as difficult as some of the circumstances that we help clients with here at MTC. And uh, when we think about what's really going on for your sensitive child or teen, when they are closing themselves down, running away from their problems, running away from their loved ones, running away from life, uh, this is the same experience that a child is having when they feel out of control in their body and their behavior is aggressive or intense uh, with property destruction or, um, or threatening to hurt themselves, et cetera. Um, we affectionately call the children uh, who run away uh, or who shut down our icicle children. <laughs> uh, they're just frozen in, in this experience rather than uh, explosive. Um, but when you, when you hold all of this in and you freeze up, uh, the, the bigger picture in the family dynamic is often very similar uh, to parents of children who are flipping chairs um, or you know, having major outbursts in the school or in the home or both. Right. Right. Cursing, swearing, screaming mm -hmm. at you saying, I hate you. Maybe making comments, um, about, um, ways that their brain is coming up with to run away. Like maybe I just don't want to be here anymore. Um, you know, or worse, right. Maybe there's, mm -hmm. there's some thoughts of suicide or self-injury that have, um, started to come up because even though they're, you know, um, mentally checking out avoiding at some point, the brain does kind of say, well, this isn't good enough. I'm still suffering. Right. And so it starts mm -hmm. to move into, um, a, a, a different train of thought around, um, how do I get out of here? Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you were talking, you're, you know, talking about the differences between the meltdowns that you might notice or experience as, um, you know, in, as someone is in childhood versus a teenager, one of the things that frequently um, comes up as we start to work with a family or we start to, um, you know, hear more about what's happening for them is that they might notice the isolation is happening. You know, their teen is on the computer playing video games in their room, coming from school, go straight to their bedroom. Nobody sees them again. Somebody... Mm -hmm 
passes them a plate through the door (laughs) or comes in and says, Hey, it's time for dinner. Here it is for you. Right. Uh Um, and you know, what we might even start to notice is that that kind of situation really is a, a, an example of how behaviors become shaped over time. Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea that, you know, nobody wants to rock that boat. If we start to poke that bear and say, Hey, come on, come on, eat with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. They've been doing a lot of isolating for a while and that's mm-hmm. probably not going to feel very good for them. And you might, they might even start to see some of those more explosive, explosive behaviors or some of those meltdown behaviors, um, aggressive behaviors that they had previously. Maybe it is just the yelling, right? Because they're, they do have some self-regulation compared to when they were a little child. But, um, you know, when we increase the expectations, we really start to see where these skill deficits are. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's become the case that it's not just that your teenager is isolating and hiding, but maybe you have unconsciously or unintentionally reinforced that behavior because you don't know what to do when the meltdowns do start to happen. Or when Mm -hmm. you do start to press and say, Hey, no, dinner's going to be at the table. Now there's yelling. Now there's door slamming. And that's scary. That's scary for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. So what you're describing is the walking on eggshells experience, right? Right. So if your child was younger and having meltdowns or a a different child, and you're envisioning what we speak about frequently, which is um, wondering whether or not you're going to set your kid off, you might've been avoiding that pattern for a really long time. And so now it's just a matter of uh, fact that you're, you walk on eggshells in your own home as a parent, and this can feel really difficult. And, and where that can lead is, you know, as parents start to try not to rock the boat as often, start to try to think that highly sensitive teen or, or preteen who's engaging in these behaviors, or even a nine-year-old engaging in these behaviors needs more independence. They might be, you know, your child might be uh, pretty, pretty intelligent and clever and uh, can speak up for themselves in some circumstances, maybe even be a master negotiator, if you will, uh, when they are having a conversation with you. And that can be pretty tricky to navigate as a parent, because when you have a sensitive, clever, intelligent child or teen, um, you want to be able to honor your, your kids needs for independence. And it's also true that that level of independence can go to the extreme towards isolation very quickly. When we see sensitive teens, just like in, in kids, as you said, autumn, um, with a skill deficit, right? So obviously you hear from us frequently that we never look at the sensitive trait as a deficit. It is not a weakness and meltdowns and shutdowns do not go hand in hand with the trait. Some parents have sensitive kids who don't engage in these behavior patterns, whose family dynamics does not perpetuate a a pattern like this. And if your family is, this is a serious problem, a, a skill deficit that is going on across the entire family not just in your child. And so when we look at it from that angle, we observe that, and this is something that we've been helping parents break out of this pattern for a decade plus. Um, so we, we, we do know what we're talking about here and observing that this is a, this is a minority sect of a minority, if you will right? Highly sensitive trait being one of every five. So it makes sense, as I was speaking about earlier, that you might not have any peers locally, any friends locally uh, who have kids who are dealing with this challenge at the level that you're dealing with it, at the intensity that you're dealing with it. And so not only does walking on eggshells not work, right? Because um, having having this conversation, bringing dinner to, uh, to your teen in their room, 
only keeps them stuck in their room. Right. It doesn't actually ever coax them to join the family or feel uh, right. that love and affection that you so desperately want them to believe that is available and to take advantage of in your household, obviously. Um, but also it, it keeps them in this pattern of, um, of, of believing that the, the only solution to manage their overwhelm or their intensity is to check out is to right. check out. And so that might be video games, um, or social media or being anywhere, but here. Right. Right. And it also perpetuates, um, the belief system that I can't, that I can't go have dinner with my parents at the table, mm-hmm. that if I go down there, we're just going to fight. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they don't, they're not allowing themselves to have the opportunity to notice that there is potential for connection, that there's potential for, um, the intimate relationships that, you know, I'm certain that parents want for their children. And the reality is teen wants teens want to have with yes. their parents yes. and they yes. get stuck. So here I am hiding, thinking to myself, if I don't hide, it's just going to get really bad. So I'm going to stay here. And they may even start to establish friend groups online, right? Because they, they like people, um, teens, you know, naturally developmentally want to be around others. They want Mm -hmm. to interact. They want to connect. That's appropriate for them. And it's also true that in some ways they're limiting themselves by not doing life outside of that bedroom or outside of that device. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Certainly something Mm -hmm. that we don't want for, um, any teen, right? Because it's, you know, as the longer they stay in there, the longer that they perpetuate these belief systems, I can't, it's going to go bad. We're just going to be arguing. I'm going to get upset. They're going to get upset. They're going to be disappointed in me. Mm -hmm. The longer we perpetuate those belief systems, the more likely they are to just stay there, stay gone, Mm -hmm. stay out of any kind of interaction that might be exactly what they're looking for. Right. Right. Cycle going around and around and around. Exactly. And, and, and so, you know, you know this, and so you might find yourself on the other side of this pattern by, um, figuring out how you're supposed to teach your teen or your, your kiddo that that doesn't work. Right. So it might lead to a lot of lectures, (laughs) uh, conversations around, if you don't have friends, uh, in real life, then, and, you know, in, in personhood and face to face and make an, an effort, you, you, they won't stick around on the screens very often or talking about the difference between a quality relationship and a screen time relationship and whether or not that screen time relationship is high quality. Uh, The same thing would be related to, we see parents all the time whose kids are younger. When you continue to run away, I can't help you. And, um, And then obviously the conversation around safety, right? Safety, if your teen is checking out into screens and social media, there are a lot of dangers that they need to be aware of that if you're not clear on what your teen is doing on these devices, what, what systems that they have access to, then it's incredibly um, difficult to observe how vulnerable they are uh, to, to online predators, to peers um, who can take advantage of them and, and solicit uh, co- conversations that can be held as blackmail, leading to uh, obviously dangerous conversations, sexting, et cetera, that, that puts your teen in a compromising position. And then for children, uh, when children are running away, say at, at um, you know, baseball, running off the field or soccer, running behind the tree, um, that 
not only poses a physical safety risk, but also a, a concern related to the peers watching, uh, watching your sensitive kiddo jump out of the, the experience of being in the community and bolting. And so we notice for you as a parent, safety is obviously one of your number one priorities in, in supporting your sensitive kid and teen. And so uh, we see lectures as part of that process when parents are, are um, really highly focused on the urgency of being needed, needing to fix this problem, right? Yeah, trying to keep their kids safe mm-hmm. um, and trying to help them to help themselves, help help them to break out of the cycle. Um, mm-hmm. And what we find, you know, unfortunately, is that just as much as the teen doesn't necessarily have the skill set that they need to be able to break out of the cycle, the skill set that a parent needs to parent a highly sensitive teen or a highly sensitive child is different. And not every parent has that skill set, right? That's something mm-hmm. that for a lot of parents has to be um, taught, has to be something mm-hmm. that you, um, you know, take the time, maybe you join a program like this or, or um, access, um, you know, another expert in a different way. Um, not sure what that would be, um, but you jump, you know, you, you have to take the time and the energy and the effort to really think about how do I keep this teen safe, given that, or child safe, given that they have different needs. Mm-hmm. given that, um, you know, this highly sensitive trait makes them, um, you know, special, unique, um, in ways that nobody talked to me about, because like you're saying, yeah. that's one in five. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for a parent to really, to really learn the skills that they're going to need, um, to, keep a kid safe that is constantly running away from them or is constantly avoiding or is constantly um, attempting to shut them out or isolate. Right, right. And uh, this can lead to, as I mentioned, as you know, we just spoke about the lectures, but also a lot of anger and frustration uh, for you as a parent and, and um, yelling, punishing consequences could be the next uh, route that you try to take to force your child or, or influence your child or teen to make different choices. It might be removal. You know, if you can't be safe in soccer, then we just won't go. When you know that your child so desperately wants to participate in the game, enjoys it, and maybe even is, um, you know, too competitive, if you will, uh, in that too passionate in that, in that moment to the point where they don't know how to manage their frustration. If things don't go the way that they're expecting them to, when they were really expecting to win. And that's what leads to the running away, right? Or the high level of disappointment. And then for, you know, for parents of teens, you know, Autumn, you can speak about where parents can go into, um, you know, where this fear fear can lead to anger and trying to stop the behavior. Oh, the whiplash effect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, you have that moment of um, noticing my teen is in trouble, noticing that there is something that is missing from their life. They're not experiencing pleasure. Um, you're not feeling connected to them. You're noticing, you know, given everything that we've said, I'm sure you're noticing that they're avoiding or that, you know, as you're thinking through this, they're running away in some capacity or another, and you move in to support them in a caring way. And you get that, refusal, you get that resistance, you get that aggression, right? It might come at you in different ways. It might come at you in just a refusal to even acknowledge that you're talking to them, just flat out ignoring you. Yep. <laughs> right? Thank you for dinner. 
nope, didn't even sound like that. It sounded like, where's mm. the catch up? <laughs> or grunt. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, exactly. um, right. Or you're, you know, you're saying, Hey, it's time to get to that soccer practice that I, you asked me to sign up for. And now you're refusing to go and you're not refusing to go telling me that um, you're scared. You're refusing to go telling me, I, I don't even understand why you signed me up anyways. Why do I have to go? Why uh, do I have you know, to we go, don't have right? a game this weekend. There's no way I, don't, I need to go. I can't make it. The coaches mean, um, you know, when, when you've observed in practice that the coach, uh, ha- seems to, to keep it together and, and wants the best for the, for the, um, athletes that he's coaching or she's coaching, whatever. Right. And, mm. and they're saying, I just want to play my video games. Why will you put, let me play my video games? Mm-hmm. Right. Continuing to, mm-hmm. to do that isolation. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, that experience over time leads to frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, it leads to frustration. It leads to a feeling of helplessness. It leads to feeling like you've become a victim within your own household. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and easily that can, can create a sensation of anger that can create a sensation of you moving from trying to be supportive to either trying to avoid fine. You don't want to go. You don't have to shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I give up. Right. Or or to a place where you're now yelling, mm-hmm. you're now, you told me to do this. We spent the money on it. Get in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, all of a sudden starting to um, even potentially access a person that you as a parent have worked really tra- hard to try never to move into. Right. That, mm-hmm. That's not me. I hear parents say all the time. I, I noticed that that wasn't me. That wasn't who I wanted to be. That wasn't who I wanted to be as a parent. And here I am. And I don't know how to stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And part of you knows that if your child is feeling nervous, scared, disappointed, overwhelmed, uh, fueling the fire with, with, you know, getting yelled at is, is clearly not going to move the needle consistently. Right. right. So you're exhibiting your own symptoms of the meltdown shutdown cycle. And, um, you know, it's really important that we look at this by not just trying to put band-aids on some of these symptoms. Maybe you might try as a parent, Oh, you know, I need to go to more yoga or Pilates or, or, or whatever. I need, I need to have more mom walks or, um, I need to, I need to go, uh, golf or, um, you know, shoot hoops with the boys. Um, and, and do something, have more me time and, um, to, to chill out, to stop being, um, you know, so the, the parent I don't want to be, uh, but that is just one part of the multi-level puzzle here, uh, to address. So we can't fix a problem by focusing on the symptom of the problem. And, uh, this is really important. So what does work, right? What do we need to focus on? Because we, we spend so much time focusing on the challenges, uh, the whack-a-mole experience, uh, walking on eggshells, trying to uh, solve the problem from behind the problem, reacting, um, what you're seeing just in this moment, but none of that is systematic. Doesn't actually get you out of a cycle. When you think about, um, you know, just literally understanding the concept of a cycle, right? A, uh, 
I'm not a lifeguard, but I, I'm feeling compelled to talk about riptide, right? There's a cycle <laughs> of water. You know, we all as parents know that when we take our kids to the beach, we have to understand the concept of a riptide, right? And so riptide is a cycle of water where your, your kiddo can um, at the beach be, um, be pulled in. Um, in this, in this cycle, if you're not careful and, um, you, the, what they always advise is that you swim, uh, horiz, uh, parallel to shore, right? You don't swim, um, directly into shore. You swim parallel to get out of the cycle of riptide. That's the concept of a strategy, right? And so when we think about being stuck in a cycle where you're just literally in a whirlpool there on, um, on the beach, uh, your child is drowning and so are you. And so trying to swim straight directly to shore is the reactive way that a human will respond when stuck and in crisis. And this is the survival mode that you're in. And, and we here at MTC teach our clients to break out of that survival mode, understand the, the symptoms, understand triggers of the symptoms so that you stop reacting in a way that keeps you stuck. Okay. And that requires you as a parent to truly understand how your child or teen as, as a sensitive kid un, interprets the world, experiences the world, right. And then how to help them notice that they are not broken. This is very important. You know, Autumn, you work directly with our teens and our teen parents here at MTC and many of the teens that we work with, they all say the same thing. They don't want to be seen as different. Right, right. They don't trust that the um, individuals in their household or even themselves, right, um, are, you know, considering them to be just like everybody else, right? Or um, they don't trust that um, they're not disappointing someone, right? That they are living up to the expectations of someone else. And I know that, you know, for a lot of you that have maybe access therapy in the past or that have um, worked with different programs, trust is this world word that kind of gets thrown around, right? Of course, mm -hmm. we need to increase our trust. The, mm -hmm. the question is, how do you actually do that? Mm -hmm. And the, the question is um, not just how you do it once, right? If you um, move into that survival mode and you um, just you know, take a couple of strokes to get towards shore, you know, vertical or not, you're not getting there. Mm -mm. You got to keep paddling. Mm -hmm. And that means that you need, that you need the strategy. You need the skills taught to you, right. To, mm -hmm. to know how to swim, to how to mm -hmm. get there. Right. Um, so it's, it certainly is not just a, um, you know, an issue of one time we can talk about trust or one time I can tell you, no, you're fine. Everybody loves you mm -hmm. or it's mm -hmm. going to be okay. And mm -hmm. you get to that place where mind, body, and soul, you believe it, you live it, right? Mm -hmm. You allow yourself to be part of your life again. Um, it, it takes more than just that one skill or that one time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because whether your kid goes into the ocean with goggles or swimmies or, um, you know, the right swimsuit so that they don't get itchy 
with the sand uh, is only one piece of it, where we're not just talking about prevention so that they're comfortable in the ocean and they can notice all of the, the, uh, the dangers around them. They're not overwhelmed, overstimulated by just the sensations. So they can experience right. and listen and hear you when you're saying, whoa, danger's up, up ahead, right? Um, that's prevention. That's talking about being able to break out of the pattern and keep the pattern from, from returning. Uh, by by eliminating the likelihood of this pattern showing up. That's obviously part of what we teach our clients. And it's not the whole picture. The, the other side of that is not just knowing not to run, um, you know, straight to shore, uh, sorry, swim straight to shore uh, and teaching your child to do that either. Because in the middle of the shutdown cycle, in the middle of this refusal, as your child is running away, uh, you got to catch up to them if you're going to try and teach them then, right? Um, so, you know, this is a circumstance where you're playing lifeguard, you're playing, um, you know, rescuer and your sensitive kid, sensitive teen wants to feel autonomous, wants to feel independent, right? So it's really important that we not um, circumvent their beliefs by just saying, you know what, I can, I can help you out. Right. And, and obviously if your, your methods, as we talked about before, fall into those three categories of how parents typically try, you know, your method to help out is to, you know, let it happen, walk on eggshells, lecture or yell and, and just get aggravated and try to force the, force the issue. Clearly um, you are a lifeguard without a buoy and uh, you're just trying the best you can, but, but without the tools you have in place, need in place to, to make yourself and uh, your kid uh, safe in that ocean of, of life and, uh, and be able to get out effectively. You'll be drowning just as soon as your, as your kid. And so the, the concept of understanding that it's not just about prevention or knowing what to do in the moment, but it's also about knowing how to systematically stop swimming into riptides. Right. Right. By acknowledging the signs, by seeing how the waves crisscross with each other, uh, by by noticing that your kiddo is perfectly capable of swimming and they need to swim in certain pockets of the ocean in order to stay alive, um, that puts puts you in a position to uh, to teach your sensitive teen, to teach your sensitive kid, and for your sensitive teen to acknowledge for themselves they can swim just like everybody else. And, um, that's a very different perspective than saying, you know what, you don't really know how to swim. You should go talk to somebody about, um, about learning how to swim because you're the only one who doesn't know how to swim. Yeah. And you just said something really important. You just indicated that the teen was saying that to themselves. You're not the one that is telling the team, but the teen is actually, like I said, mind, body, and soul truly believing I know how to swim. I know how mm -hmm. to go into the ocean in the safest way. And I know that mm -hmm. if I get in trouble, I can come out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we think about, you know, transformation, mm -hmm. being systematic in the way that we go about it, those are the results that we're looking for. Yeah. We're not, we're not looking for results where at the end of the day, you know, you as a parent are going to have to continue to be on top of them, continue yeah. um, to be preparing yourself for the, for the lecture, right. Mm -hmm. Or preparing yourself for when you're going to have to walk on eggshells next. That's not mm -hmm. the outcome we're looking for. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It doesn't need to take your kid uh, or your teen an hour to get out the door while they're under the covers all snuggled up. That is not what we expect of you as a parent, a sensitive child or teen stuck in this refusal isolation cycle until your teen magically turns 18. And all of a sudden they start skipping out the door because they're independent now, because there's a stamp on their license. If they even went to go get their driver's license test right. in the first place, two years prior. 
right? Right. Cause Magic. that I can't experience <laughs> is all it's, it's all encompassing, right? This, you know, your teenagers is saying that to themselves all the time. It's not just related to peer relationships or, you know, can't deal with, with their sibling, you know, looking at them while they chew or whatever at the dinner table, can't deal with the, the, the minor irritances and annoyances of being a teenager in a household with a family member or multiple family members. Uh, mm-hmm. What we're talking about is being able to experience life and, and live it. And that requires a much more systematic approach. You need to be able to give your teen feedback in a way that they're going to absorb it. You can't just be working on convincing your teen that they can do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if your teen doesn't believe that they are a swimmer, they will not go in the ocean. No, no. And, and, um, you know, you know, that part that I talked about with, this is something that they've got to be able to do again and again. Right. This is not you take one stroke and then you stop. When we think about um, your teenager becoming a successful adult, we can notice that, you know, as Megan was just saying, you know, there's multiple there's multiple aspects of their life where they need to feel this confidence. They need to feel, um, you know, that they are going to be um, able to um, be at the very least. Right. Maybe not happy, but at the very least capable, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Of, um, going for that job interview of mm-hmm. sitting in a classroom with mm-hmm. other peers, maybe, um, you know, it's, maybe it's a university, maybe, um, it's in, it's in some other kind of academic or professional pursuit, but they need to feel competent, capable of saying, advocating to, um, their boss on, you know, to get a better salary or to just be able to get the job or to be able to, um, convey their beautiful, wonderful ideas because, um, they do have a greater depth of processing. They do see things differently as a highly sensitive person. So to even Mm -hmm. be able to show up as the best, as their best selves. Um, Mm -hmm. so this is, you know, when we think about making the changes that we're talking about, it's not even just about running away from home in the moment certainly is, but it's also about where is this going to get them? How far is this going to take them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, teaching your child from the experience of working on eliminating that biggest, you know, that big challenging behavior Mm -hmm. keeps your kid stuck in the, the belief that they are a runner, that they are a child that, that doesn't think that they can, um, that they are an escape artist, an emotional escape artist, or uh, you know, a physical escape artist. And uh, that is not the identity that your kid wants. It's also not the identity you want for your kid. And that's the difference between you know coaching and therapy. If we think about it from that perspective, you know, when we when we when we focus on the definition of the person based on their problems in their life uh, and, and trying to only reactively not repeat the past, uh, that, that is a challenge that most therapists take on and, mm-hmm. uh, and focus on it from that, from that lens. And, you know, Autumn and I can speak because we've been therapists for over a decade and, uh, we can yeah. speak to that pretty clearly. And in the concept of coaching, when you focus on being able to move forward, you have to have a, a child or a teen, um, believe in their ability to move forward and um, that that is a no-brainer, that that is something that they already want uh, rather than trying to contemplate it and maybe kind of sort of move into that direction. So completely different perspective. Uh, the, 
decision that no child was put on this earth to be miserable. No one on earth wants to be miserable. And therefore, of course, you want these skills is something that a coach is much more capable of not only holding uh, somebody accountable to that, you know, your teen um, and you as, as parents, but also uh, in assuming that that's what, uh, what the, the child or teen already wants for themselves, because they've been saying it, they might not have been saying it in the most effective ways, because that's obviously the skill deficit here that, that needs to be taught. Um, but many, many parents can, can develop a pattern of really hesitating on that belief, right? Does my kid even want to feel better? Um, the, the example I use often with our clients is that, um, that movie with Jennifer Aniston and, um, Vince Vaughn, the breakup. Did you, have you ever seen that movie, Autumn? Yes, I have seen that movie. And that is a great movie for examples of what a highly sensitive teen looks like in a relationship when they don't have skills. <laughs> and so Jennifer has this fight within Swan's character and she's like, I want you to want to do the dishes. Yes. <laughs> And, um, you know, meanwhile, Vince Vaughn is like, who wants to do the dishes, <laughs> right? Like, but what this is, what this is covering is the conversation you're having with your teen in your head or with your teen all the stinking time. And even for sensitive kids, right. Who, who seem to check out or shut down or refuse, uh, you can jump to the conclusion that they don't want to help that they don't even have any motivation to help. Um, and clearly if you're stuck being their motivator, then you are keeping them in a position to not have to motivate themselves, to not be self-motivated, to not be intrinsically motivated, to use the, the more uh, psychological term, and external motivation like sticker charts or grades or um, you know, a, money for A's or um, any other carrots, bribery, et cetera, all keep your child or teen in the receiving mode in, in achieving their goals. And you need to be in the action taking mode in achieving your goals. So when we think about all the, the, the different components to this puzzle, breaking out of this cycle in, in, in a way that's effective, you have to be focusing on noticing that your child's go-to in this moment is get me the heck out of here. And they need to be staying in the room. They need to be right. staying in the room, but you can't tie them down to make it happen. You can't tie them down through pressure and, and your speech and, and intensity and your voice and, um, you know, hanging things over their head to do it because, um, you know, <laughs> if you were, I want you, elevator, <laughs> I ahead. want you to want to do the dishes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they need to remember that that's of course relevant for themselves and then build the skills to, uh, to recognize that in those moments. And that takes strategy. It takes, uh, professional expertise, honestly, in, in terms of identifying this, this specialty, because many, many teens uh, who are sensitive, many highly sensitive kids who are sensitive, they feel bad about not being able to make this happen. That's shame, right? Um, and, and you need to be able to teach your child in a way that doesn't perpetuate that shame. And that's incredibly tricky um, for such a specific problem. And so we encourage you to, to identify with us that, uh, that you're ready for support. Um, that, that enough is enough. You've been trying uh, to, you know, be the lifeguard and, and, and pull your kid out by either going uh, perpendicular to shore or going without the buoy. Right. And it just hasn't been working and that's okay. That's okay. 
And uh, if you want our help, then, then we encourage you to have a conversation with us because I don't know if we can help you. And we don't know if we can help you based on your child's circumstances, based on a quick email, based on a quick message. We need to have a conversation. And if your child is, is, a, is 14 and up high school age, we need to talk to your team about whether or not they're going to be receptive to what we do. And if this is going to jive well, because at that point they, they need to be um, receiving support directly and, and, and participating in their life in a different way to seek those skills. Highly sensitive kids are influenced more when their parents change and are the teachers in the home uh, and highly sensitive teens do that plus uh, plus benefit from, from having the, um, from having the opportunity to take ownership themselves and, and have some space from their parents, because that's just developmentally appropriate. Um, and it's also what works in, in terms of the research and the evidence we've helped hundreds of families break out of this pattern. And we've spoken to more than hundreds of families, uh, whom we've identified aren't a fit, right? We already know at, at MTC uh, what we do works and who it's going to work for. And uh, we, it, it is incredibly valuable for you to have that clarity on the conversation with us. And we are happy to have that conversation with you uh, free of charge, having that conversation to make sure that you know exactly what you need to be doing to break out of the pattern, where you're stuck, what your challenges are, and whether or not your goals uh, fit with the goals that we've helped our clients achieve before. And if that's the case, uh, then we're happy to, to walk with you through on that same phone call exactly how to make that happen because you've been living in misery long enough. There's no need to wait. Uh, you know, when you're in a riptide like this, you got to get out. Um, you can't just keep swirling and, and wondering whether or not a different lifeguard will show up. And um, obviously, if we're not the right uh, lifeguard, you know, instructor for you, then we point you in the right direction. Uh, it's very, very important for us it's to, um, in integrity, only work with people that we know we can help. And right. so we put point parents in the, the right direction, point teens in the right direction if uh, the services that we offer aren't uh, a fit for that, or the circumstances that you're in. And so we do that all in the one phone call. Yeah. Um, and, and again, uh, we're happy to do that. So if you're ready to book that phone, phone call, um, because you know, why not? Of course you are ready for that clarity and, and to break right. that out, break out of this pattern, uh, for parents who, whose children are in eighth grade or under, um, eighth, eighth grade for us is, is age uh, 13. We work with clients internationally though. Um, and if you're a parent of a teen and you're hesitant uh, on how to get your teen to show up to an appointment like this, right? Obviously, uh, if, you're, if your teen is in the refusal cycle, that might be a question. Reach out to our team. We are happy to support you. We have resources to help you have that initial conversation. We've got all of that covered because obviously this is what we do. So we're happy to, to speak with you about this. All right. Autumn, thank you for joining me. It's been a thank pleasure as always. Me. Let's, yes. let's get everybody out from under the rocks. That's it. That's it. So many <laughs> metaphors we use today. That's exactly it. Enjoy the sunshine. Get out from under the rocks. Escape that that riptide. Do the dishes. <laughs> All the things, right? Okay. Have a lovely day. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. 
We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.